You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. Hi, this is Lady C. Welcome to The Critical Thought. I'm here with Amira, and she's going to be talking about what it's like growing up in a family where it's not her parents that bought her into the religion and bought her into this culture, but it's actually her grandmother. And she's going to be talking about her life experiences, what is what it was like growing up, being bullied. So, Amira, I want to welcome you to the program. Thank you, Lady C, for having me. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, and we're glad that you took time out of your busy schedule to come out and share your story with our audience. And so one of the first things that, that I would like to do is kind of talk about, you know, who was the person in your family that introduced the religion? Well, the person who actually introduced me to the religion was my grandmother on my mother's side. Okay. So is your mother a baptized Jehovah's Witness? No, my mother is not baptized. She was born in and raised. My grandmother was the person who really indoctrinated me into the religion. However, when I wasn't around her, my mom would reinforce it. My dad was actually um, born Christian, but he later converted in his teens to Islam. Did your father enforce his beliefs on you at the same time that your mother was enforcing the Jehovah's Witness beliefs? My dad never imposed his beliefs on me. Actually, he shared just a couple of things from his religion that helped me structure my morals, but he never imposed his faith on me. However, I do remember him telling me when I was young that it's the woman's place to really guide the child in whatever faith that she believes in as a Muslim. So he let my mom take the reins, and that is how I was really indoctrinated. So Amira, you come from this environment where where you got these two different religious beliefs going on and your mom is not really practicing but your grandmother is enforcing mm -hmm. how did this affect your schooling well my grandmother was really involved in my schooling my parents worked a lot um, my grandmother just went to the school as soon as I was enrolled. Mind you, I was on a two-year waiting list before I got into the school. And she let the principal know and all the teachers know that I would have, that I was a Joe's witness and I couldn't participate in any holiday things. Um, I couldn't participate in pledging the flag, no birthdays, um, just really letting them know what our belief system was and telling everyone that I couldn't be a part of it. And this is a school that I would be going to from kindergarten to eighth grade. So at first when I was really young, maybe maybe up until the fourth grade, I, I was proud to be a Jehovah's Witness because that's all that I knew. Um, so it really didn't bother me. It only started bothering me until I began to be bullied. The first instance of being bullied that I remember um, was actually during one of those Christmas celebrations at school. And I was a part of a really small school, about 800 students. So when we would have celebrations, the whole class would be in on it. And, you know, I was just told to leave the classroom and everyone definitely looked at me differently. And I hadn't came out to my peers and said, hey, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. 
but you know my teachers has already spoken to my grandmother and you know my principal had relayed the message to them so you know they it was pretty much feeling like i was an outcast did the other kids laugh at you make fun of you make jokes about you definitely when i came back into the classroom after the celebration like they were singing christmas carols or something getting ready for a um like we used to have these events every season and it would be like a spring bash, a winter bash, things like that. And, you know, when I got back, they were like, why did you leave? And I was just like, well, I'm one of Joe's witnesses. And they were like, well, what does that mean? And I just had to tell them what I thought it meant. Like, oh, that I don't celebrate holidays, you know? And they were like, that's weird. Like, oh, so you guys are the ones who knock on the doors. Like even as young as fourth grade kids understand that. And I would be like, yeah, like we're the ones who knock on the doors. Like, so they were just really like, you know, that's weird. After that, I wasn't allowed in certain cliques. Like, you know, certain people didn't want me to hang out with them. Like, I would just go to recess alone. Like, and my cousin at the time, she was going to the school with me too. And she was really like devout. So she was firm. She didn't care if she had to hang out alone. Like, she was okay because her faith was that strong. Um, and I just felt like an outcast. Did you go to the Kingdom Hall on a regular basis? Yes, on a regular basis. Um, my grandmother, she would pick us, pick me and my cousin up every day after school. And she would take us out maybe like 10 minutes of field service while we were in the park because she would take us to the park every day. And she would take us right to my house where we would have the yellow book, the book of Bible stories. And she would go over a story with us each day. And we couldn't do anything but that. No TV, no nothing. Just get prepared for the meeting for Wednesday and Sunday. Um, read, a, read a story in the book of Bible stories. And, you know, she'll read off some scriptures to us because she taught us how to read and write. So your grandmother was really, really indoctrinating you into this yeah. religion. Oh, my yes. goodness. So, and it's interesting how you took a different turn or you looked at it differently than your cousin. And of mm -hmm. course, it's because people are wired differently. Well, of course, as a Jehovah's Witness, you understand the bullying mm -hmm. because you're supposed to accept it and you're supposed to embrace it. Yeah. But did you ever complain about it to your grandmother? I never complained about the bullying. I never told anyone about the bullying until I had already graduated high school um, a year after the bullying had started, my cousin actually moved away with the rest of my family to North Carolina. So I was left alone. So I didn't talk to anyone about it. If anything, I was trying to befriend my bullies. Like I was trying to, you know, kill them with kindness. That's all I was told because I did open up to my mother about it. And, you know, she was, she understood because she had to go through it as well. So she was just telling me, you know, don't let them get you down, kill them with kindness, you know, tell them about Jehovah, things like that. That really had to be hard for you because you saw these kids from kindergarten to eighth grade. Mm -hmm. How was it in high school? By high school, I was already live, living a double life. So like my parents didn't know how I conducted myself in school. Like I didn't tell people that I was a JW. I didn't want anyone to know because I was like, they're going to treat me differently anyway. So I was just living a double life by that point. I had already, you know, felt like I could see different kids, even though some kids from my elementary school had went to this high school. But at this point, they already knew I was living a double life. And, you know, they had accepted me for that at the time. So I was just, you know, putting on my new personality, like literally like a new personality. Like I was a class clown. Like I felt like I could be myself at some sorts. But at the end of the day, I knew I wasn't, you know, telling everyone the full 
the full story about who I was. At first, I felt like it was survival mode for me because I was literally outcasted. And not only was I being bullied about my faith, but I was also being bullied about my skin color, about my hair, you know, about being black. Um, I was really like a studious person in elementary school and I would be the first one to raise my hand and answer the teacher's questions. You know, I'd be made fun of that. Like, oh, you're a teacher's pet. You know, I'm being made of being made fun of the way that I speak, like, oh, you sound like Oreo. And, you know, it's different when you're darker because now people have something to say about you. Like, you can't say, oh, well, I'm mixed or, you know, I can't pass as anything else. So, you know, people would make fun of me for being black or, you know, just not being in with the in crowd. This school was a charter school, so it's not private. It's public, but it's hard to get in. And I was on a waiting list two years before I had even went to the school. So they had already signed up. And a lot of black kids, black parents didn't want to send their children to this school because it's very strict. We can't talk during lunch. You know, we can't talk during um, in the hallway. Like there's it's very strict. Like some people leave reviews till this day about the school calling it like a military boot camp. Like it's very strict. They give you a lot of homework and a lot of black kids can't excel in those areas. Um, however, that's where my parents wanted to send me, mostly my grandmother. You know, education was always seen as something that we should pursue. Like it was never really, um, it was never really discouraged among my immediate family. However, my brother, my sister has, excuse me, not my sister, my mom, she has two identical twin brothers and they are devout JWs. So, you know, they always, we were really a close family. Like my cousin who went to the same school as I did, she was my first cousin, one of my uncle's daughters. So, you know, we were super close and he wanted for, for me what he wanted for his daughter. So, you know, he really didn't want us to go to college and stuff. And I believe that's why they moved away because our elementary school was very like strict on that and they were preparing us for that and that was always you know a topic of discussion and I don't think him and my aunt were really you know into that they didn't really care about the education side they just wanted us to you know um make the truth our own and stuff and become baptized you know get married to Bethelites and stuff like they they had a different plan for you know us than my parents and I spent a lot of time with them because they were baptized and because they were really like active in the truth. So I would go out into field service with them. I never went out into field service with my mom. Yeah, because your mom, she wasn't even baptized. And so, exactly. you know, and, and, and what I'm seeing is the same thing that happens to so many families is, mm -hmm. you know, you got a grandmother, you, a, a great a great grandmother and a grandmother. They're, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Um, then they raise children. And then those children, <laughs> you know, some of them take the um, the some of them get baptized as Jehovah's Witnesses and practice to the fullest extent of Watchtower. And other people are like, nah, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. But your mother, she did not realize probably why she didn't get baptized, but she never understood that this, she probably never did her research to find out about the religion. So she was willing to allow you to be indoctrinated, even yeah. though she wasn't practicing. Mm -hmm. That happens so many times yes people not realizing that they're they're allowing their children to be indoctrinated by this religion mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they wake up one day and say well i never thought about it like that yeah. you know mm -hmm. yep. what about your father in in education how did he feel about education 
my dad thought that it was important that, you know, I found my career. He really wanted me to go to school because my childhood dream was to be a doctor. So my whole, his side of family was egging me on. Like my, um, his cousin, his, one of his first cousins, he was a doctor. So, you know, I looked up to him because being a black child, having a representation of, you know, um, having a lawyer in your family, a doctor, like that's a big accomplishment. So, you know, just to have him in my life, I'm like, that's what I want to do. Like he would come see me in his, you know, his doctor's coat with his stethoscope and stuff. And I'm like, I want to be that so bad. So that was always one of my lifelong dreams and stuff. And my dad was like, you know, I'll make sure that you can accomplish your dream. Like he, he didn't think that it had to do anything with religion. Like he really didn't understand the JWs and stuff. So he didn't know that they discouraged schooling until I got older. What happened to you academically in high school? Um, in high school, I did well academically, except for math and sciences. And if you know anything about if you want to be a doctor, you have to excel in those. So I was I had always done poorly in those. And it was just never my strong suit. My strong suits were always writing and reading because my grandmother was teaching us that, you know, since we were in preschool, kindergarten, teaching us how to read and write and reading with us every single day. So I, those were really my strong suits by the time I had gotten into high school. Okay. So now your now your thoughts of becoming a doctor are changing based mm -hmm. on the fact that you're not really strong in certain academics. Yes. So what was it like talking to your counselors, like your um, academic advisors in high school? Did anybody encourage you to go to college? How did that work out for you? Well, in high school, honestly, I didn't even want to go to college. I was just telling my friends, you know, we don't have to go to college. Like, we can go to a trade school or something. You know, we can do this and that. Like, and they were all they were all aboard with it. Um, and I remember speaking to my counselor, and she was like, you know, you should just apply, just try it. I was expressing her, you know, I don't want to go to college. Like, I really didn't believe in my abilities then, and I was, you know, living a double life. So of of course that breeds insecurity. So, you know, I was just like, I don't want to go to college. And she was like, you should just try it out. When you finally decided that you didn't want to go to college and your academic advisors and teachers were encouraging you to do that, what do you think made you not want to pursue college when you were in high school? The reason why I didn't want to pursue college in high school was because I wanted to do Jehovah's Will. I wanted to make my my family happy and I wanted to be around my family. Like my core system, my core, you know, support system was my family, even my uncles and my cousins, those were my best friends. So, you know, I wanted to do the right thing, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm not even good at school anyway. Like, you know, no one really cares about school. I should just get a job, you know, save money. I was just thinking I was very small minded then. But when I applied and I really got accepted to all those schools, it opened up a world to me where, you know, I could possibly do this. OK, so now did you pursue any of those? Yes, I actually pursued one. Um, I went to Montclair State University for one year. And I was undeclared at first, then I went to journalism. And then as I was about to go into biology as my major, I just remember speaking to a counselor and he was like, you're never going to be a doctor. Like, why would you even want to pursue that? You're not good at math. You're not good at science. You know, you're better off being an English or history teacher. And I was just like, what? Like, that was never a part of my plan to be a history or an English teacher. And it felt like, you know, he didn't care about my dream. He didn't even give me any, you know, any paths that I can take to possibly attaining this. 
And I was just discouraged. Like, I was just like, what is the point of being at school? Like, nobody believes in me. Like, my own counselor don't believe in me. Like, my professors are telling me, oh, you should do public speaking. You should do writing because I was excelling in those. And I was just like, that's not what I want to do. Like, I do want to pursue medicine. And it was just like being discouraged all the time. And now my JW family is discouraging me, you know, telling me, oh, well, you know, doctors, they're just, you know, just saying something is wrong with that. Like, you shouldn't be a doctor. You try to, you shouldn't try to save people. Armageddon is coming anyway. Why would you want to be a doctor? Things like that. Now, now here's, now let me see. Let me step back a second because you had said at first that when you were in high school, you realized you weren't good at math and mm -hmm. you actually decided that you weren't going to pursue being a doctor. So mm -hmm. then you changed when you got in college? Yeah, because I went from journalism to biology. I had already picked up some sciences and stuff. I'm like, how do I know if I don't even try? Um, you know, I was getting my confidence back. I was really excelling because I went to school three months early to get more credits, thanks to my parents. And, um, you know, I did. I excelled in the writing. I excelled in the speech and stuff. So now when it came time to pick my prerequisites, I had picked biology and I picked chemistry as well. So I'm like, why not give it a try? And, um, you know, I didn't do well because those are not my strong suits. And I didn't want to tutor either because I'm like, well, you know, my family can't afford that and I can't afford it. And I was just like, you know, I might as well not even do it. So I was just I was on a roller coaster of being encouraged, being discouraged, you know, just not being confident because no one had really fostered it in me. Now, you know, it's interesting, like I was starting to say before now. So you were kind of failed on a couple of fronts. You mm -hmm. were failed by the Jehovah's Witnesses that were telling you to do more and why get a degree? Because the end is around the corner. Then you had an academic advisor in college that was telling you that you should take your skills and go teach. Yeah. Because most people who go to college and I'm not going to say most, but when you go to college and you excel at writing and speaking and journalism and things like that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go teach. You can use those skills in corporate America or yes. you can even start your own business. Mm -hmm. And you could use those or you could go work for state, local government, whatever you want to do. But exactly. but teaching is not the limit. Yes. Exactly. So now you're probably thinking, were you thinking he's trying to say that these are the topics that I have and the only way I can use these topics is to teach. At the time, I did believe that's what he was saying. And I also felt like, you know, he didn't really know me. He That was my first time. And he had been my he had been my advisor throughout my whole first semester. He never contacted me or anything, tried to build a relationship with me or anything. So I felt like, you know, he doesn't know me. He doesn't really believe in me. And he's looking at my transcript and he's like, you know, I don't see you excelling in the things that you say you want to pursue this career and you need that to go to go this route. So, you know, I felt like, you know, what is the what is the point of me even pursuing this? Like I really didn't I didn't even know that I could be using those skills, not just to teach, but to do other things. No one had ever taught me that, even though growing up, my dad was an entrepreneur. So I would see him create his business and stuff and my mom would help him as well. But, you know, my JW side of the family, I didn't see them doing anything in life that, you know, was like they were passionate about it. And I was just like, what's the point? Like no one else is inspired around me or telling me that, you know, there's a different route in life that I can take. I didn't even know that 
I didn't even honestly know that I could start my own business or be in corporate until about three years ago. So I didn't even know that was accessible to me. My first corporate job was at 19. So I didn't even know that I could do that. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing that I want to kind of double click on is that if you are talking to the wrong people and we already know that talking to Jehovah's Witnesses when it comes to education, that is just not going to happen. Exactly. They're not going to encourage you one way or the other. And mm -hmm. it may be a one off where a Jehovah's Witness will say, hey, look, Amira, you should go in this way. But it, mm -hmm. for as a whole, the whole culture is the majority is not going towards education. Um. So now, did you graduate from college? I actually completed one year at Montclair State University, but I didn't end up graduating. The reason why I didn't graduate from Montclair State University is because after my first semester, there was some, I guess, errors in my financial aid. So, you know, I was back and forth with my dad because my dad made the most money in my household. And I guess he put down some information wrong. I put down some information wrong, um, whatever it may be. But we were in financial aid like every day. And they were like, you have to pay 8000 out of pocket. Like, I don't know what to tell you in order for you to come back because I was also dorming at school. But my dad had paid for me to go to school three months before the semester started. So he paid for that in cash. And then when my financial aid had went through, I had only paid $62 for my first semester. So when it was time to go into the spring semester, I had to fill it out again and verify some information. So when we did, they said that I, I owed 8,000. And my dad was like, I don't have that type of money to just dish out right now. Like I can't do that. So I ended up not going back for the spring semester. And I was just distraught because it's like, you know, I really loved it there. That was just my safe space. Like no one was telling me anything, you know, no one was telling me how to be. I could just be myself. Like I really loved it at school. And of course I was dorming. So I had a different type of freedom I never had before. I, was, I wasn't living with my parents anymore and I could be around, you know, different people. I could experience different things. And I was really active on campus as far as activities and stuff. So when that happened, I was just destroyed. I had to go back to my parents' house and I, I was trying to take out loans and stuff, but no one's credit score was high enough. So I was just like, I guess this is God telling me I have to take another, another path in my life. One of my professors told me when I was going to school and he said that he felt like a lot of people should start out at a community college. And the reason why he thought that was because it's much cheaper. Mm -hmm. So did anybody ever tell you about community college? No one told me that until after they knew I couldn't go back for my second semester. Like people were like, oh, well, you can go to community college. But it's like they have my transcripts. So it's like I can't get that. I have to completely start over from scratch. And it's not like I had a bad GPA. I didn't. But it was just like, you know, now you're telling me this. Now you want to take out even more debt to go to this school. And it's like, I don't have no one helping me at this time. Cause like my family just wasn't in a financial position to help me. So it was just like discouraging because my best friend at the time, she was going to community college and she was like, well, you could have went to community college cause we went to the same high school. And I'm just like, now you tell me that I didn't know that was an option. People just wanted me to apply for colleges and was like, oh, well you can go. Like her mother was telling her she can go to community college. She had a college degree. So it was like, 
I didn't have those people around me telling me that like people were just happy I got into college, especially, you know, as a as a black individual, you going to college is seen as a, a super big milestone, like not a lot of us have done it. So, you know, hats off to you. Now we're going to send you off, even though we don't have no knowledge about it. And whatever happens, happens. It was just like, you know, I didn't have that guidance. And then by the time I couldn't go back to school, you know, my parents were like, well, you can go to another university, but it's like, that's more debt. And they have my, my transcript. So now I have to start all over again. It just felt like I'm dealing with people who never, who never been through what I've been through. So it's like, you don't even understand, like I worked hard, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. And when you said that they have your transcripts, now what I want you to do now is tell our audience how that works. Because you owed eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars, so what does that mean with those transcripts now? Well, once you leave a school and you don't pay them their money, and you owe them money, and you're not done, you haven't graduated yet, they own your transcripts until you pay them their money back. So now, all that, all those credits I amassed, all those great grades I got, even the bad ones, the classes that I did take, the prerequisites don't matter. So if I go to another university, it would be like me as a senior in high school, freshly graduating, and now I'm just applying for this school. Like They have no knowledge that I was at another school, and I'm also collecting more debt. Do you think it's worth it to go ahead and start again through a community college? Um, looking back, I definitely feel like it is worth it to go back, but I wouldn't go to a community college now. I'm now in the process of paying my debt off. I've actually have paid a thousand dollars. So that's big for me. Um, when it first happened, I was working three jobs to pay it off, like minimum wage jobs, like jobs. I was, I had to wait two weeks to see $500 and, you know, my family couldn't help me. Like no one was helping me with my payments. You know, I didn't have a car or anything. That was my only responsibility at the time, as well as a credit card that I had. So I was paying it off little by little, using whatever little money I had to um, pay off my debt. So it's like this year I plan to pay pay it all back so that I can go and, you know, have my transcripts back and just start off on a better note because I do want to go back. It's one of my dreams and I feel as though I can accomplish it. And that's really what I want to do. I know a lot of people, when we talk about going to college, the first thing they'll say is don't go to college because college, you're going to incur all of this debt. Yes. But of course, like you said, you had an issue with your financial aid. Mm-hmm. So if people do have financial aid, they can they can go to school with that. You can also apply for grants. Um, yeah. I got my degree through my through my my employer okay. um, during the time I was going to school. Um, I was working at this company. They gave me $5,000 a year in tuition reimbursement, and I was at the community college. Okay. And then I transferred to a four-year degree after I got my associates. So it took off a lot of the um, expense of going to school. So those Mm -hmm. are other ways that you could do that. Yes. So when it comes to um, going to school, what advice would you give our listening audience of young people in your age group? Mm -hmm. The advice that I would give to young people regarding going to school, especially if you've never been like you don't you don't know your career path or anything. Don't rush to go to school just because people want to see you go to school. Have a plan. Have a plan of what you really want to do. Figure out your purpose, because if I would have really figured out my purpose before I went to school, I would have known I don't want to be a surgeon necessarily. I want I could be a chemist. I could work at L'Oreal or something. You know, I could work for a 
a cosmetic company making products and stuff. That's really what I believe my purpose is. So just have that plan and don't let anyone dictate your purpose for you. And don't believe that your purpose directly is tied into school because there are a lot of careers and jobs that don't require you to go to school, but they have great benefits and you can actually grow in them. And, you know, just have a plan and not only have a plan about what you want to pursue, but also have a financial plan. Have a plan as far as your credit is concerned, because all the debt is going to lay on you at the end of the day. And you have to figure out a way if you can pay it, if your parents are providing for you. Cool. Can they provide for the whole four years? And what if you don't do great one year and you have to stay an extra year just to finish those prerequisites? Like, just think of think of the worst sometimes, because you need to have all those possibilities covered so that when you go, it's just a smooth ride and you don't have to go through, you know, all the chaos and stress that I went through regarding my schooling. So, yeah, that's the advice that I would give for any young person considering going to school. And Amira, you know, and thank you so much for that, because that was a really good um, thought that you said. I don't have to be a surgeon. I could just go to L'Oreal and be a chemist. Yeah. <laughs> I like that because now it doesn't take people to the top of the spectrum. Exactly. But there's so much in between. Right. Yeah, that you you know? know, but what I want you to do is I want you to talk about prerequisites because you were talking about prerequisites. What does that mm -hmm. mean? I mean, I know what it is, but I need you to tell my. Can you talk a little bit about those prereqs? Prerequisites are basically things that you have to take. So when you enroll in your university and you start scheduling for your classes, you're going to see a list of classes that you can take. It might be things you're not even interested in. Like I had to take Indian history one, like who thinks about taking that? But those are things required by the university to not only meet a curriculum, but also just to get people in these classes and you have to take them. They're mandatory. You're not always going to get every semester classes that you are interested in. But even if you take a class that you're like, what is this? Like, I was never interested in this. Take it. You never know what you can learn. Um, prerequisites are mandatory. You cannot escape from prerequisites. So your first year will be all prerequisites prerequisites. It doesn't matter if you declare a major or not. You still have to take these because it is mandatory until you meet the optimum amount of credits in order to move on. Now you start taking classes that require that are required of you based on your major. A lot of people don't like that. That's what people don't like about going to college. It's like, mm -hmm. and that's the reason why people go to trades. They go to trade schools. Yeah. Because they're like, well, you know what, if I got to spend two years, you know, mm -hmm. um, learning something that has nothing to do with my interest. Why am I here? But yeah. as you had stated, um, it gives you a worldview mm -hmm. of stuff. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Now, Amira, I understand you have your own YouTube channel. You want to tell us what that's about? My YouTube channel is called Tough Rider, T-U-F-F-R-Y-D-A on YouTube here. Um, a lot of my XJW audience knows me from my YouTube channel where I really talk about my struggles living a double life as a JW, um, how I really left the religion. Hi everyone, welcome back to my channel. It is Amira aka Tough Rider. I'm going to be talking about why do JW parents, why do they sell their children to the Borg? Um, a lot of JW parents from my experience just put the organization first before their own children and also how i was indoctrinated like where it all started i really go into more detail about it and i talk about recent things that you know have gone on within the organization and just keeping people up to date and also talking about just 
healing, as, you know, recovering from shunning? How can you live a life, not only just live your own life, but live a righteous life as well once you leave the organization? Yeah, that's good. And you know what? I find that people in your age group mm -hmm. could really appreciate what you're saying because the, the, when you come out here on the Internet and you start talking about your own experiences growing up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, there's always going to be someone that's going to resonate with what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And you just know you just never know how many people you're helping. Exactly. Is there anything else that you thought you might want to cover? Just being a JW born in and now, you know, you have the opportunity to go to college. Now it's like, now what? Nobody ever encouraged me to do this before. Or, you know, I didn't have that full encouragement. Now no one laid out a path for me. So what do I do now? And you make a lot of poor decisions because no one around you has even been in that position. Looking back on this whole um, experience of you going to college, um, if you do you think that you could have swung it if you went to community college? Definitely. I feel like that would have been my introduction into, you know, college because it wasn't just academically I was thrusted into a new world, but also socially. I had never been around so many different kids. And now it was like, now I was just thrust into a different a different environment and I could do anything I wanted to do. There was nobody telling me, oh, you got to get up and go to class or you got to get up and go to school. Like nothing, no one telling me anything. I could just basically lead my own life. But I hadn't had that independence ever in my life before that I could just think on my own and I could have my days be what I wanted it to be. No one was telling me I had to go here and do this. I just, I could be me. I remember my, my teacher told me, one of my professors told me the difference between going to high school and college is, or university is, your teachers are not going to tell you that you got to get to class and you yes. got to turn in a term paper. Yes, definitely. No one was like reminding you like, yo, you know, we got a test on this day, like nothing. Like sometimes we would go to class, the professor wouldn't even show up. Then he emailed, hey, I'm not going to be in today. I'm canceling the class. Like, I had no idea it was like that. I'm thinking, you know, I'm the first one there. Like, I'm, then I started learning. I'm like, wow, like everyone's doing their own thing. Like even the professor, the professor don't even got someone telling them what they need to be doing, what time they need to be somewhere. I'm like, okay, this is different. Like, this is super independent. Well, did your professor still hold you to the, to the test assignment or the, or the, or the classroom assignment, even though he didn't show up? Um, that some of them did. Some of them did. Um, you know, I didn't, I never experienced favoritism until I really went into college because, you know, they, they favorites and they're not ashamed to pick those favorites. And I'm not saying I was a favorite or anything, but in the classes that I excelled in, you would get a little, Hey, you know, you don't, you could practice more for the exam or, you know, this was going to be on the exam, you know, things like that. I had no idea it was like that. Cause in high school, None of my teachers was doing that. None of them were really guiding us into what we can expect. Like we should have had like a day in the life of a college student. Like what can you really expect from your class? Like going to school. What if your first class is at 3 p.m.? You know what I'm saying? What do I do with the rest of my day? Oh, yeah. Now, being a Jehovah's Witness, you should have been able to manage that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, did. I really did. I also had a job on campus. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. But so I like what you said about, you know, you went to college and you just, it, it, you, you had, you had a whole new social structure, yes. you know, um, 
did you what did your what did your friend or your cousin experience going to community college? Did they share that experience with you? Yes, she was just telling me how, you know, she could her schedule was sporadic as well. And it was it was easier for her. She wasn't taking like seven classes. She was taking two classes. You know, she was taking three classes a semester. I'm like, wow, you're not doing nothing. Like I'm taking like five classes. <laughs> like I have all these textbooks, you know, like I, I didn't buy any of my textbooks because they were so expensive and I knew my family couldn't afford it. So I was just winging it with one of my other roommates who she had 10 brothers and sisters. So she couldn't get no textbooks or nothing. She could barely get food. Like just, you know, seeing that and my God sister is telling me, oh yeah, well, you know, in community college, I could go right to my mama house and I ate this and that, you know, or I slept in my own bed. Like I don't want a dorm and stuff. I'm like, man, like, maybe I should have done that because this is expensive. Yeah, it really thrusts you into a bad situation. And that's why like yeah. a lot of times when we, when we give our broadcast and we talk about going to college, um, mm -hmm. some kids actually get a full ride yes. on a scholarship. And so those are the ones that we're saying, Hey, look, if you get a full ride, don't oh. thrust it to the side because like you had your experience just trying to deal with financial aid. But yeah. man, if you get a full ride, why, why are you throwing that out? Right. Why are you that opportunity away. Exactly. You know? Like, even though I had got a lot of grants and stuff and I didn't have to pay any of that back for my first semester, I said I paid $64 for my first semester because I had gotten so many grants and stuff. And my parents had thrown a trunk party for me before I went to school. So, you know, my uncles and aunts on my dad's side, basically all of my dad's friends and stuff, my mom and dad had been together since they were 18 and 21. So all of their longtime friends and, you know, family like my dad's family, they would they were donating to me for that first year. So all my furniture and stuff for my dorm room, that was made possible because of them. But, you know, after that was out the way, these textbooks are three hundred dollars. And now they nowadays you don't get a physical textbook. You need a code to look at your textbook online. And I just remember seeing my friend who was also a roommate of mine for a short time. She couldn't even buy the code like she couldn't even afford that because it was so expensive, like $200 for a code just to read a book for, you know, your first semester. It was just like, wow, I didn't expect this. Wow, that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot. That's, that's a pretty good experience there to really help other people because um, especially for people who don't really understand the process. Yes. And then I don't want to scare anybody away. But I mean, like I said, you know, some people get a full ride and then other people just have to have the money to to pay to go. But I think that when you start out, you need to find out what it costs. Yes. Like, for instance, you said that your friend was paying was only taking two and three classes a semester. Mm -hmm. You were taking five. So yes. is there any reason why you were taking five classes? I was trying to get all the prerequisites out the way. I'm like, how many classes can I take this semester? They're like, oh, you can take five. You can take five um, starting a semester. I'm taking all of them. I'm like, oh, yeah, I already got my credits from the three months before when I enrolled early and I had dormed early as well. So I was I excelled in those classes. I got A's in those classes. So I'm like, yeah, why not take all these, get my prereqs out the way so that I can really start pursuing my major by next year. So that's really what was on my mind. Like, I was just like, let me get these prerequisites out the way. I don't want to take gender studies. I don't want to take ethics. I don't want to take, you know, Indian world one. I just was like, what is this? So I just wanted to 
to get it out the way. And that was just too much because I had multiple classes in a day. And I was just, I didn't realize that there were things that I was going to have to do that would be tedious. Like I had an art class as well. So I was taking that, doing physical, visual art pro um art projects. I was also in an ethics class, so I had to debate as well, prepare for debates. I was in biology. I had to physically be in a lab. Like I was just stretching myself too thin and I was doing gender studies. So I had to give presentations and I had to research, you know, the feminist movement and stuff. I was just everywhere. Like no one told me about time management or anything. Like, of course, as a JW, time management is easy because I've been doing that since a kid. But now I can choose how I spend my own time. And I was just like, yeah, I can do this, this and that. Like there's only 24 hours in a day. Wow. And then the other thing I feel like is a lot of people don't understand that a lot of those fees that you're paying is those dorm room fees. Yes, that's where that 8000 came from was just my dorm because my schooling had been paid for. Like my classes, they had been taken care of with the grants and stuff. So, yeah, that was basically all that all of the bulk of my debt is from my dorm. And I was staying in one of the nicest dorms on campus because my parents didn't want me to be in the dirty dorms. You know, the old ones from the 90s, they wanted me to be in a newer one. And um, that was very expensive. And most of the time I didn't even have a roommate. So just paying to be there and it was a cafeteria in there and stuff you know it was just more amenities in there but it really wasn't anything different and I had my own bathroom that's really why my parents wanted me to stay there because they didn't want me sharing a bathroom with anyone else so I had my own bathroom and stuff I had my own bedroom and sometimes I had a roommate sometimes I didn't so you know I understand the choice but it just wasn't the it wasn't the smartest and if I knew what I knew now I would have definitely just commuted. And I knew a lot of people who commuted too, and they eventually graduated. Wow, you have a really interesting story. And so many people can tell this experience because mm -hmm. you walk in there out of high school, you're just green. You don't know what's going on. These academic advisors are not helping you out. Jehovah's Witnesses are not like giving you. Can you imagine what it would be like if you're going to the Kingdom Hall and other Jehovah's Witnesses had been through this process before and they could say, let me give you some advice when you get to college and this is what you got to do and this is what you got to look out for. But instead, you're going against the grain. You're going against people that saying, well, you ain't got no business going to college anyway. Or exactly. looking at you like, well, if she would have stayed out of that college, she wouldn't be in all that debt. But mm -hmm. if they would have went to school and set the stage for that to give you to give other people experiences and to help them through this yeah. process, you would have somebody to talk to. Exactly. And most of the young people in my congregation, they weren't going to college. They were staying with their parents, you know, and I guess they were going to stay with them until they had, you know, gotten married. And most of them were females as well. So it was like now the young, the one, the one and two young brother that young brothers that are there, they're looking at who they want to marry. Like, because we just had turned 18 because I grew up with the girls and it was just like, you know, it was just too much pressure. Like, I'm not ready to get married yet. Like, I'm not even baptized yet. But, you know. They pick the young sister and they're like, I can groom her into getting baptized. You know, I'm seeing this future for us. I'm a ministerial servant now. It was just like, I don't want that for my life. Like my grandmother would try to pair me up with brothers. And it was just like, I don't want that. Like, I don't even really like these people.
Yeah, that's a whole other story, too, um, about the young people and dating. And you said that somebody actually said, oh, I realize you're not baptized, but I want to groom you for baptism so I can marry you. Is that what they, they said? We, like, I'm not interested in you, but he was like, you know, um, I can study with you. You know, I'm like, no, like, I don't even want that. Or, you know, I could set you up. My mom, she could study with you. No, like, I don't want to do any of that. And all the other girls, they had been baptized since we were younger, like nine and eight. Like, that was never a part. I never saw that as being a part of my life. Amazing. Wow. So, everybody, I put the link in the description to her YouTube channel. So be sure to go over and check her out. Thank you. This has been Lady C and I'll see you on the next episode. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.